0: It's time for Promo Corner's Industry Insider with Jeff Franklin, Stephen McPadden, and Bill Petrie. Each Monday, they discuss, dissect, and debate a single issue impacting the world of promotional marketing from every industry perspective. The Industry Insider is only available at Promo Corner, the leader in digital marketing for the promotional products industry. Now, here's Jeff, Stephen, and Bill. And welcome to yet another scintillating episode of the Industry Insider Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Bill Petrie. With me, as always, Jeff Franklin from Headwear USA, Stephen McFadden from Perfect Promotions, and more. And Meg Erber from SNS Activeware, who knows both Jeff and Meg know how to be quiet during the opening read. Stephen does not. Before we get into introducing our uh, our wonderful uh, our wonderful co hosts and getting on with our fabulous topic today, I'd be remiss if I did thank. Our good pals over at Logo Mats, Miles Wadsworth, and all the good strongs over there. Such a great group of people. Hey, is that a Twinkie I hear being opened? Awesome. They have rubber backed floor mats that reduce slip and fall accidents while improving workplace play- worst aesthetics, <laughs> featuring <laughs> your customer's logo. That's a way to get a mute button. Um, logo Mats is committed to integrity, quality, and absolutely 100% the fastest delivery times in the industry. There's never a setup or art fee. They're all made in the USA. They have a 100% customer satisfaction guarantee, and they have no minimum order quantity. That means if you want to order one, you can order one. If you want to order zero, that would be bad for business, but you get the point. So if you want to learn more, go ahead and visit LogoMatsLLC.com. You're not going to be sorry you did. So as I said, I've got Jeff Franklin and Stephen McFadden and Meg Erber. She's muted herself right now because I called her out on the Twinkie. Oh, <laughs> uh, there we go. She's back. <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm personally just mad she's not sharing the, uh, the Twinkies with it's us. It's not I want a Twinkie. It's twinkie. that cold,
2: burnt pizza. <laughs> and I what? meant to... Sorry. <laughs> where um, are we buying groups? What are we? Yeah, else? where are you, Meg? <laughs> Meg
1: Welcome back. Hey, 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 don't I Don't, what, don't I watch ha- your favorite color us, okay? Don't I had the g- topic.
0: Yeah, I hadn't exactly brought up the topic yet, but since you oh. brought up the topic, Meg. <laughs> We are going to talk about buying groups today. We're going to talk about, will everyone eventually be part of a buying group? Now, I could be mean and start that off with Meg, but she just did the most incredible thing. She knows how to reheat pizza. You know, a lot of people put pizza in a microwave, which is a huge no-no. No, No. That's weak sauce. It's hard, no. You could put it in the oven, and that's okay. It just takes too long. You put it on the grill for about four or five minutes, folks. There's your food Mm. pro tip for Mm. the day. All right. So will everyone eventually be part of a buying group? Let's start with you, Steve McFadden, because I believe you're part of... Well, too bad. Okay. Um, I believe you are in Facilis, part of the Facilis group. Tell us about your experience there, and do you think everyone needs to become a part of a buying group from a distributor's perspective? And then we'll talk about the supplier side of it in a minute.
3: Yeah. So um, we are a member of Facilis. We've been... Um, we've, we joined up with them uh, actually a few months ago. We've only been... Been uh, involved uh, since July. Um, Prior to we were we were um, involved with uh, I promote you. Um, So we, but prior to that we went uh, 14 years independent. So we weren't part of any buying groups. You know, I I think um, as it relates to buying groups, there's. There's, there is a need that they fill for a lot of different stages in business. So, um, you know, I have, I have no hard feelings, um, you know, towards any of the groups or toward, towards I Promote You or towards obviously not towards ForSales because we just joined and we, we're, we're having a great time with that. But, um, you know, it they definitely f- fixed the need that we had uh, for our, our personal company. Um, I do think that there's, there's definitely um, – I don't want to say a struggle in the industry, but I see some consolidation of the industry. Um, I, I think I've, we've seen that from a, um, definitely from a supplier standpoint. And I think with buying groups, you're starting to see it more with, with distributor groups. Um, and I don't think that it's a bad uh, strategic maneuver to align yourselves with other companies to collectively have more power in the industry. I think anytime there, there are threats uh, approaching the industry, which we've talked about on other podcasts, it, there's there's not a it's not a bad strategy to align yourself with others um you, you know collectively to to kind of prepare or protect yourself against some of the some of the risks um i think the other benefits that buying groups can provide not only is there um, you know, a lot of people point to things like rebates and stuff like that. But like, yeah, you know, you can get those, but um, you know, not just specifically the rebates, but they can also help you with payment terms. And I know from a from a small business perspective, payment terms are something you really have to earn over a long period of time, and you know, show a lot of good good credit history with with that and, and build that up. And sometimes you have the order right now, and I don't have the history that's that's required to move forward with the order because. You know, we hadn't used you before, but now there here's the opportunity. But you know, you can you can kill a business that way. You can you can quote unquote implode um, if if your cash flow is not not correct. So I think things like that are are super helpful. You know, we talked a little bit about uh, service providers, and uh, so a lot of these these buying groups provide systems that otherwise you would you'd be looking to having service providers kind of fill those gaps. So whether it be CRMs, um, order processing systems, art services, a lot of them provide a lot of those, those services in addition to being part of the group. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to answer questions on, on our current alignment or just also just hear what other people have to say about groups and well, do consolidation.
0: Well, do you think that people, do you think independent distributors should consider joining a buying group?
3: So I think it all depends on where they're at and their stage of business. Um, you know, we we did not think it was a necessity until we kind of went as far as we could personally, financially. And I think that as businesses grow, there's there comes a point where you're either going to have to get big investments or you're going to have to look to something like a buying group, whether it be temporary or, or long term. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know if if every person needs to be. I think one of my Pet peeves with the buying group, and I think I've talked to suppliers about this. They share the same: is someone who's a part of a group who gets all the benefits of being in the group, but really isn't a strong contributor. You know, someone that's doing very low sales, but they want to be treated as if they're doing millions of dollars in sales. And I don't know that that's fair. You know, I don't know that that's 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 right. But so I don't know. I think it can be a competitive advantage if I was looking at it just of just at the sheer competitive nature of it could it be a good uh, strategic move for them yeah i think that they need to just be aware of the, um you know when when the, when investigating which group to do you have to think about a couple of things one is do you you know what do you want to be able to keep all of your customers because there's only a few out there that allow you to do that um you know there's we can go into that later but um, do you want to maintain the brand you've built? Have you built a brand of yourself? You know, if, if that's the case, then that, that excludes several buying groups out there as well mm-hmm. who, you know, make you change the name or make you, you know, affiliate and, and change your identity. And that's that's something for us that we weren't willing to do because we had built our own brand. Um, so yeah, there's there's some things. I think that in the right circumstances, I would have no problem recommending people to, to join one group. Um, I've also seen people join kind of create their own groups, you know, kind of banding together mm-hmm. with, um, you know, I think reciprocity is a good example, yeah, you know, reciprocity Road. they, they've, they've joined up with, you know, not really, uh, the traditional buying group, but they are a, a, a big buying group made up of a lot, uh, was it six or seven big companies? So
0: I think it's more than that. I think it's closer to 12 or 15.
3: Oh, is it really? Okay. Yeah. That, that sounds right. So, yeah.
0: That's that. So who's, who's next, Bill? Jeff, since you spoke, <laughs> why, don't, why don't you uh, regale us <laughs> with some thoughts yeah. on Shit. the relative pros and cons <clears throat> of the buying group?
1: Yeah, so, uh, I mean, I don't know. Like the, I guess the question that was asked was, you know, is everybody eventually going to be part of a buying group? I don't, I don't necessarily think that's going to be the case. But certainly it is something that continues to happen more and more with the mergers and acquisitions uh, in our industry. Um, the buying group, me personally, I think is a great way for somebody to start in the industry. Uh, number one, a lot of these buying groups are basically your bank, uh, you know, so they, they, they fund and, you know, give you the capital needed in order to process those orders with your suppliers. They give you in quantity pricing and access to a lot of suppliers you would not necessarily have access to when first starting in our industry. And you can also, in a lot of cases, get education and assistance uh, through said buying groups. Um, you know, if you're already a relatively established business and you're not struggling for capital, or um, you know you don't need certain amenities, then maybe it's not necessarily for you. Um, you know, but I think with such a low barrier to entry into this industry, I think it is actually a great resource for people just because of the other services that are provided through those uh, through those buying groups.
0: Well, and it's almost like a way to affiliate with a larger company without really. Affiliating, it's kind of like what Stephen was saying. You don't really have yeah, to lose your identity a lot of the time.
1: Yeah, but then you get those people like Steven was also saying, you know, that that don't really contribute a lot, but they get all the, you know, and they want the they want to be treated too. like they are that big, you know, multi million dollar producer, but they're really only doing twenty k worth of business. Well, and, yeah, and they it's it's a little dog with a big bite. Or a big, yeah, but big did bark. the buying
2: groups let those guys in? Like uh, like Facilis. like they're pretty picky about who they let in. There's not going to be a twenty k a year guy in
3: there. Correct. So. Um, you can there pay
2: there are differences. Yeah. yeah, but then are you looking at like the halos of the world as buying groups too? Are they considered like the halos in the guy because they're putting yeah, eight hundred to? That, that's a
1: traditional that's a national distributor account. Yeah. It's a national account, but it's I, I sort of it's link the same national almost, accounts though. and buying, buying groups, groups together. Sort of together. Yeah, they're, I would They're, they're co- them a totally different. Group, yeah. They're totally different, but it's you, you can sort of lump them into the same scenario, and that's that's sort of you know maybe one of those situations where, you know, again, certainly a, a low producer or, you know, a relatively low producing salesperson reaps the benefits of a Halo or a, you know, a, a Summit or a Geiger or whatever, mm-hmm. um, you know, because they can basically say, oh, well, you know, I'm I'm such and such, you know, you've got a whatever. And ultimately, I guess you got to, I don't know, that's not always a good thing.
2: You know, no so was- I would.
3: I- Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say one of the one of the biggest pros um, I've seen come out of these groups is is actually being able to connect with other business owners. Um, yeah, that's you know, yeah. You, you know, partnerships. With, exactly. Yeah. So Facillus, um, they have a, um, a an, own, an owners meeting up in Toronto um, that I, I was able to go to right before we affiliated, which was actually great timing because um, it allowed me the opportunity to ask a bunch of questions about the onboarding. Um say so, you know like what what should we be looking for in the onboarding? How do you do it with the team but i mean we're talking to we're in the room, and every company is is you know three million and above i mean it's it's insane the amount of knowledge in the room um for people that have done things all all sorts of different ways and how they've gotten to where they are, and just being able to have have that opportunity to, to, to sit down with those people and, you know, sometimes one-on-one and just, you know, kind of go through, you know, management practices and systems and transitions and client acquisition. I mean, there's so many cool stuff you can learn um, if, you know, when you're in an environment like that, had we not been, you know, I, I would have probably been at another event or maybe never, you know, you never know when you get those opportunities. So. I think the buying groups and where, where the buying groups
1: and national accounts sort of differ is the buying groups really allow... Uh, you know, the small to mid-sized distributors compete or be more in line with the big national guys. Um, you know, because when you look at, you know, like you're saying, Steven, with the, you know, the big producers like that, you have access to those guys, but within those national accounts, you know, I mean, those, you know, they basically can throw their weight around. Um, you know, because I'm thinking, you know, just from, from a, trying to think at least from a distributor's perspective. Uh, you know whether or not it would be a good fit, and you know, like you said, it completely depends on the business. But there's certainly benefits that, that it provides. Um, I don't know. I'm Trying to, I guess I lost my train of thought. I well, know.
0: I think if I can jump in, Jeff, which means mm-hmm. I already did, and I'm going to continue. I think what it does it gives it every distributor an opportunity to find the right path to maximize their buying power, maximize their marketing. A power, and also maximize their sales processes, or, or minimize them if you want to look at it from a negative perspective. Make them as efficient as possible, because it gives everybody an option. You have your larger distributors, like you're talking about your Halos and things like that of the world, uh, your performers and things like that. You have so you have the performers, which are more of a uh, you know a uh, franchise model, and then you have the buying groups, which are really you know kind of kind of a, a really nice uh, solution for folks who want the the benefits of being part of a large organization but may not want to actually be part of that large organization for a variety of reasons. What I, That's what I like about it. I think what you guys had said earlier was a really interesting I want to go back to, which is, you know, when you have a buying group, you're always going to have, like, the, the little ones at the, at the tail end who maybe don't even really belong there. And, and the one that always comes to mind is PeerNet. When I look at PeerNet, you've got Summit and you've got Access really driving a lot of that, now that Sunrise Identity is out and they're part of halo and then you have a lot of smaller ones and that's not to say they're not worthy distributors it's not saying that at all it's just that you've got the 80 20 rule mm-hmm. you've got 20 percent of the the companies doing 80 percent of the buying and so should should the smaller players in that group receive the same benefits or does it start getting to a point where there's tiered benefits based on what you actually produce within the buying group
2: is there if not? It's,
1: if it's done correctly, I think so. I mean, yeah, because that that sort of helps the smaller guys, uh-huh. in, you know, get there faster. It helps, you know, um, uh, I guess elevate them to that to that level. But it's when those guys take the take that the wrong way, and they get a little bit, you know, I guess of, of a power trip. They think, oh, well, I'm with such and such. You've got a, mm-hmm. you know. You know, meet my demands and whatever. Like when you start being that guy, <clears throat> then no. Like I think that's just not a very good scenario to be in. But ultimately, getting the the same benefits that the multi-million dollar producers are are getting is only going to help you if you do it the correct way. So the question is, are the buying groups really helping in educating those? <clears throat> excuse me, are they helping those smaller guys, you know, are they educating them to get to that level?
0: I think for the most part buying groups are doing that. I do. Mm-hmm. I, I look at, you know, the ones that are there, and, and, you know, there's so many of them, there's Legacy and Premier and Facilis, and they all have different benefits and things that. I think overall it's good for the industry and good for distributors. And frankly, good for suppliers has nothing to do with service providers, so doesn't matter to me. <laughs> yeah, it certainly so, can
1: be good for suppliers. Um, you know, I know, like if you go into a certain, like I promote you as one of my national accounts, and you know, when you go into a certain area, uh, if there's you know four, five, ten I promote you affiliates mm-hmm. within a certain territory, a lot of those guys are already sort of in a sort of a sub team, so to speak, where you know if you go in, you can book a meeting with one of them, and you know they all sort of come to the same place. Uh, You know, so you can literally have a meeting with, you know, five different affiliate distributors.
0: Yeah, which is huge help for you. Yeah, for sure.
1: Absolutely.
3: Mm -hmm. So what... what Ah. Go ahead, go ahead. go, <laughs> I think that one, of
2: the, one of the things that we didn't even <laughs> touch on, I think, and this is a big part of the buying group, is the selectiveness in the suppliers that they choose. And mm, yep. yeah, so let's say, you know, when I was on the hard goods side and uh, Hit, I was working for Jetline and Hit had gotten in there very quickly. And I think it was a very smart move on their part because their sales like quadrupled overnight. So, but once they had that hit in, they didn't need a jet line. They didn't, and it was very hard to move that needle when it came to the buying groups. And then, you know, we get the same things on the supplier side. SNS has been late to that game. Mm-hmm. So we have to come in, like, what differentiates us from the competition? Um, like, that's how we have to poise ourselves as a secondary or even tertiary. Te- te- bleh, te- help me, I can't say the word. Tertiary. Or, ter- yes, tertiary. tertiary. I still can't say it. So you get it. Uh, supplier to them just based on what we have different those exclusive brands but like we didn't talk about that how's that affected you guys like Jeff have you, how, like have you had trouble getting into any of these buying groups because well, yeah, of I mean
1: <laughs> this industry has been around since dirt and uh Edward USA has only been in the industry since you know the early 2000s so uh, in a lot of ways we're sort of fighting that uphill battle you yeah know, a lot of guys already have those relationships a lot of these you know situations have already been sort of capitalized on so where where do we and how can we break down those barriers and ultimately most of, most of the places we were able to sort of work that out uh, there are some uh, in particular, the one that Stephen is currently uh, mm-hmm. a part of, uh, is, is a lot more challenging in the sense that you know you get basically, and I'm sure I'm wrong here, there's uh, I mean, there's got to be you know certain situations where multiple uh, suppliers from a certain category or vertical get into that group, but um. You know, I know as far as like the headwear category goes, it, it, to my knowledge, it, they've been stuck with one supplier and will not budge regardless of the differentiators that we mm. have. Yeah, it's uh, tough. And, and, you know, so what can you do? I mean, f- in, in that instance, it's a really bad thing for a lot of suppliers. So there's yeah. there's pros and cons for sure. It's not all, you know, puppy right. dogs and ice cream.
0: Well, I think there's pros and cons for both. There's pros and cons for the buying groups by letting everybody in. They want to be selective, but you also want to grow your business. Mm-hmm. And I think it's uh, pros and cons for distributors who are looking to do that. I think the good news is there's so many options for distributors to really find the right fit that's for them. And I think it's important that buying groups kind of say, hey, is this really fit for us, or are we just growing for the sake of growing? Mm-hmm. I think this is a really good conversation. I really like it. Um, anything else before we wrap up?
3: Yeah, the one uh, the one Issue I, I've kind of had with with buying groups, having been a part of of two now, um, it really does strike. You know, speaking from the supplier standpoint, it does really. I don't want to say hurt, but I think it can damage new uh, new suppliers coming to the market. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, I think what what Jeff alluded to. We we actually had a pretty lengthy conversation when when I was letting him know about our transition and. You know, you know, he was letting me know some of the background there. And, you know, I told him, I was like, you know, I'm still going to use you. You know, it doesn't mean I can't use you. But but I did understand where he was coming from, knowing that, you know, the advantage to use me isn't there anymore. And and I get that. But that's, you know, think about a brand new company like like before, you know, when Origadio when first started, you know, for example, they weren't on anyone's radar, but they uh-huh. were someone we were using all the time. There's lots of uh, suppliers that kind of pop up like that. They're not going to be on the buying group list. You know, they're not going to be um, on the preferred vendor list from the beginning. They earn. They you know they'll get there, but it it could make it more difficult. I think for some people that aren't looking outside the box, and we always we'd never it, we never go by the book when it comes to the suppliers they give us. You know, it, we go, always go outside.
0: It might make mm-hmm. it a little harder, but the cream is always going to rise to the top if people right, are consistent yeah. and persistent. So I, I I hear what you're saying, but I still think. You know, look, Origadio, uh, before they joined Hub, uh, I think they basically told every buying group they were number one and they used the wrong finger when they did it. Um, <laughs> so this that wasn't their thing. And right. so I think, again, you, you, you if you're truly an innovative supplier, if you truly have something unique to offer or a different way of going about business, maybe you have the same type of product, you have a different way of going about business, you're going to get noticed. Yeah. And, and I think so. So I think it's just a... It's a really good conversation. Buying groups, I think that are here to stay, and I think they're going to continue to flourish. So it'll be really interesting to see how things grow. You know what else is growing, guys? I don't. Don't agree. answer that. My love and admiration <laughs> for LogoMats. <laughs> My love and admiration for LogoMats is growing. <laughs> Those rubber black floor mats reduce slip and fall accidents while improving the worst workplace aesthetics. (laughs) And they feature your customer's logo. They're committed to quality, integrity, and the fastest delivery times in the industry. And those mats last three to five years. Any more than that, you'd have to consult your doctor. So if you want to learn more and have those good, strong, great folks over at Logo Mats uh, help you out, go ahead and visit LogoMatsLLC.com. You're not going to be sorry you did. Guys, great conversation as always. See you next time.